Hi, welcome to Harrison's Pod Class, where we discuss important concepts in internal medicine. I'm Kathy Handy. And I'm Charlie Weiner, and we're coming to you from the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. Welcome to Episode 37, A 63-Year-Old with Confusion. Here's the case. A 63-year-old woman is brought to the emergency department by her nephew because of severe confusion and obtundation. The nephew says he came to visit her from out of town and found her confused and somnolent. He thought she was just tired, but then when he had difficulty waking her, he brought her to the emergency department. Her vital signs are normal. She is difficult to arouse and is only oriented to self. There's no focal findings on physical examination, and other than her mental status, there are no localizing neurologic findings. Kathy, what are your initial thoughts and initial diagnostic maneuvers? Well, the differential diagnosis here is so broad, and it's really hard to narrow down at this point. In situations like this, when I'm presented with these cases, I really just try and start broad, and the workup should be broad too, and you just try and get some clues to what system might primarily be involved. In her case, the history sounds like it's fairly acute over the last couple of days, and she doesn't have any localizing signs to make me think of a territorial stroke. So I'm really more worried about an infection or a metabolic derangement first. So, I mean, we can really just start with a CMP and a CBC because that may be helpful in deciding the next steps. Okay. Her CBC is normal, but her metabolic panel is notable for a serum calcium of 14.8 milligrams per deciliter, along with minimal elevation of BUN and creatinine. Okay, well, that really was helpful. So she's presenting with hypercalcemia, and this is really an extreme presentation of hypercalcemia. So it can definitely cause confusion and obtundation, but most often it's asymptomatic, and we recognize it usually just on routine calcium measurements. Some patients may complain of vague neuropsychiatric symptoms, including trouble concentrating, personality changes, depression, but sometimes patients will also have peptic ulcer disease or nephrolithiasis. This sounds like pretty severe hypercalcemia. Yeah, it's definitely on the severe end of hypercalcemia. And we start to see that with serum levels that are over 12 or 13 milligrams per deciliter. And she's surpassed that. So her calcium is 14.8. So that's really high. And especially if it develops acutely, then you can get lethargy, stupor, coma, or more severe gastrointestinal symptoms like nausea, anorexia, constipation, or even pancreatitis. Any comment on the elevated BUN and creatinine? Well, hypercalcemia decreases the renal concentrating ability, so that can cause polyuria and polydipsia. But with her neurologic symptoms, she also is probably not um, accessing enough water, so she's likely volume depleted. Another thing to remember with hypercalcemia is that it can result in significant electrocardiographic changes. So you can sometimes see bradycardia, sometimes AV block, short QT intervals. So you would want to check an EKG on this patient too. So now that we know she has severe hypercalcemia, what do you think is causing that? So you need to think about the feedback loops that maintain calcium homeostasis, and this involves the parathyroid hormone, or PTH, which comes from the parathyroid glands, and the actin vitamin D metabolite 125-dihydroxyvitamin D. So that comes via the kidneys, but then also remember the gut, which absorbs the calcium, and then the bones, which are the major storage facility in your body, and can release a lot of calcium too. So you really have to think about the bones, the kidney, and the gut as you're trying to understand the pathogenesis of hypercalcemia. Right. And the parathyroid glands as well. So the most common cause of hypercalcemia in adults is excess PTH production or primary hyperparathyroidism. Although usually we don't see presentations that are this acute or this severe with calciums to this degree. So what causes are you thinking of in this patient? 
So in this patient, I'd also be thinking about a primary malignancy. So this can be of the parathyroid gland. So you can sometimes get parathyroid adenomas or hyperplasia or really carcinomas. In someone this age, you also have to think about hypercalcemia malignancy. And this can either be from overproduction of PTH-related peptide or from lytic skeletal metastases. So some solid tumors will produce PTHRP, and that shares homology with PTH in the first 13 amino acids, and it binds the PTH receptor. So it mimics the effects of PTH on the bone and the kidney. And in PTHRP-mediated hypercalcemia of malignancy, the native PTH levels are suppressed by the high serum calcium levels. So primary hyperparathyroidism and the hypercalcemia malignancy are the two top things on your differential then at this point? Yep. Okay, well, what about things farther down your list, just for the sake of completeness? Hypercalcemia associated with granulomatous disease, for example, with sarcoidosis or lymphomas, is caused by enhanced conversion of 25-hydroxyvitamin D to the more potent 125-hydroxyvitamin D. In these disorders, 125-hydroxyvitamin D enhances intestinal calcium absorption, and that results in hypercalcemia and suppressed PTH. Now, besides metastases, there are other disorders that directly increase calcium mobilization from the bone, such as hyperthyroidism. Less likely causes of hypercalcemia would be exogenous calcium overload, as in milk alkali syndrome, or total parenteral nutrition with excessive calcium supplementation. Now, both of those would cause decreased levels of PTH. The other disorder on the differential for hypercalcemia that would cause a inappropriately elevated or normal PTH level is familial hypocalciuric hypercalcemia. Now, this is an autosomal dominant syndrome that's most commonly involving inactivating mutations in the calcium sensor receptor, and these mutations impair extracellular calcium sensing by the parathyroid glands and the kidneys, and that leads to inappropriate PTH secretion and increased renal tubular calcium reabsorption. Okay, that sounds like a lot, but the differential of hypercalcemia really is an important differential for us to keep in mind. It sounds like the next reasonable lab test would be to start with the branch point of measuring the PTH level then, right? Yeah, that's a first branch point since that's the most common cause to consider, although malignancy is also a concern in this patient, so I would also check the PTHRP. Okay, well, let's get back to this patient. Subsequent laboratory testing reveals a normal parathyroid hormone level, but an elevated parathyroid hormone-related protein level. So we then went on to imaging, and the initial evaluation shows a chest radiograph with multiple nodules suggestive of metastatic disease. Unfortunately, the nephew does not know anything about his aunt's past medical history. He tells us that he was only in town visiting his aunt while he was attending a healing yoga conference. The question asks about the various malignancies that can cause this syndrome. And the question reads, All of the following are a likely primary malignancy in this woman, except... So there are four possible choices that are correct and one incorrect. And the choices are A, adenocarcinoma of the breast, B, mantle cell lymphoma, C, squamous cell of the lung, D, squamous cell of the piriform sinus, or E, transitional cell of the bladder. Okay, so we've gone through the differential diagnosis of hypercalcemia and the lab abnormalities that you'd expect in the different types. You can see humoral hypercalcemia of malignancy in up to 20% of patients with cancer, and it's most common in cancers of the lung, head and neck, skin, esophagus, breast, GU tract, for the solid tumors. And then if you think about the hemalignancies, you see it often in multiple myeloma. Remember that high calcium is one of the CRAB criteria, and also in lymphomas. Which of these will cause an elevated PTHRP? 
Yeah, so that's the key to this question. So all of the solid tumors that are mentioned in the question, so breast cancer, lung cancer, the head and neck cancer, and bladder cancer can all cause PTHRP. We talked before about how hypercalcemia from lymphoma tends to be via vitamin D conversion and not from PTHRP protein production. So in this patient who we know has multiple metastases in her lungs and an elevated PTHRP, the least likely cancer we would find would be mantle cell lymphoma. Great. Okay, so the teaching point of this case is that severe hypercalcemia can present with altered mental status or other neurologic findings. It may be caused by an elevation of PTH-related protein emanating from solid tumors, typically from the breast, lung, head and neck, or even the bladder. Lymphoma can also cause hypercalcemia, but that's via a different mechanism that relates to elevated levels of vitamin D and therefore gut absorption. And if you want to read more about this, you can check out Harrison's chapter in Oncology and Hematology, but also within the Cardinal Manifestations of Disease, there's a chapter on hypercalcemia. This is Jim Shanahan, publisher at McGraw-Hill. Harrison's Podclass is brought to you by McGraw-Hill's Access Medicine, the online medical resource that delivers the latest trusted content from the best minds in medicine. Go to accessmedicine.com to learn more.